I came prepared to preach a specific sermon. I worked on it all week. Um, but what I've realized in listening to some of the friends and brothers and sisters we have here who are doing ministry in a prison, which I've never been to and hope I never will, in terms of, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to find myself in, yeah. But, but what I realized is the sermon that I came to preach is not the one that needs to be preached this morning. For, for the reason that what they have shared with us this morning is a reminder that I'm the guy that gets paid to stand up here and preach. They do this willingly out of their bottom of their heart, and what they are doing is making a difference in the lives of real people. Here's the thing. I stand up here and I preach, and I forget what I said two weeks ago. I mean, I know what I said. I mean, if I looked, I, I kind of try to internalize what I preach. But if I asked you what my sermon was two weeks about, was what it was about two weeks ago, could you even tell me? The point is made in the fact that probably most of you couldn't answer that, which means one of two things. You have a bad memory, or, or the art of the sermon, it's losing its grasp in us. I don't think you have a bad memory, or I do too, because I don't remember. But what you're going to remember are the words that our friends this morning shared up here. Like, it makes me want to go do something, and I get paid to minister. Does that make sense? Like, I want to do more than just preach. So I want to share just a few words this morning, and then we're going to close. And then next week, we're going to preach about what we were going to preach this week. Does that make sense? Can we do that? Because if I go for 35 minutes, you guys are going to be like, stop. <laughs> I want, to, I, want you to, I want to share with you from, the, from Matthew chapter 16. Use your pew Bible. We're going to use a pew Bible because I don't have a slide for this. Matthew 16. Is there one right here? Oh, thank you. Matthew 16. As I was sitting there, I had an idea. And, and, and while you're getting there, Matthew 16, I want to thank the prison ministry for what they're doing. Lou, I don't... I don't know how you, I, I would be still afraid to go there. So thank you for what you're doing. And we're going to keep you guys in our prayers. Matthew 16, verse 13. And that's, um, this is what Jesus says. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do, who do people say the Son of Man is? Caesarea, the Caesarea Philippi was known as what we might today consider Las Vegas. When we think of Las Vegas, what do we think of? Sin City, right? So Caesarea Philippi was one of those places where that's where the evil people are. That's where the pagan people are. That's where the bad people are. So as a good Jewish person in the first century, we wouldn't go there. Okay, do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, when we, as Seventh-day Adventists, Christians in 2010 say, I'm going to Las Vegas, it's usually followed by, because that's where my work has a convention, and I have to go. <laughs> Very rarely will you hear anybody verbally admit, I was there for fun, because that's the place we don't go. Caesarea Philippi is that place. So, while Jesus came to this region where a good Jewish person wouldn't go, Nevertheless, a rabbi, a teacher of the scriptures wouldn't go, and yet Jesus goes there. 
He's with his disciples, and he asks, Who do people say that I am? And they replied, Some say you're John the Baptist. Right? Some people thought it was John, that Jesus was John the Baptist who was coming to make things better. Others say Elijah. Elijah, in Old Testament, they believe that Elijah was going to come and set the captives free. Elijah is kind of a play on words with the name of Jesus in the Hebrew. And so it would make some sense. But people, up until the day that Jesus died on the cross, they thought he was Elijah, or at least he was calling on Elijah to help him. All right, so just to give you an idea, people thought, well, Jesus is just Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. People thought Jesus was just a prophet. He had something to say. He had something good to say, but he was not the Savior. Verse 15, Jesus asks, but what about you? Who do you say I am? I wonder this morning, as I'm standing before you, who do you say Jesus is? There's one thing for you to tell people that you're a Seventh-day Adventist. There's, it's one thing for you to tell people, oh, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, and I go to church on Saturday, or Sabbath. But no one understands Sabbath, so you say, Saturday. And for some of you, you go on to describe that a Seventh-day Adventist doesn't go to the movies or doesn't dance or doesn't eat meat and is a vegetarian. And a seventh, you know, So you begin to name all of the things that Seventh-day Adventists do and believe. But the question that remains unanswered is, who do you say that Jesus is? Let me take it one step further. If your wife... If I asked her, by the way that your husband lives, talks, treats you, treats the children, who does he say Jesus is by the way he treats you? What would your wife say? Like, like does he take Jesus seriously enough to allow the words of Jesus to shape how he interacts with the family that God has given him? Look, I know it's not easy. I have a family. <laughs> um, their complaint is that I'm very uptight. And that I, I, was, I, I was raised in a home where, I mean, it was very militant in the sense of everything had to be done a certain way. And if it wasn't, there was a price to pay. So when we did our chores, we did them two times and three times so that when our parents came home to look at it, it was perfect. And even then it wasn't good enough. So that's what I'm bringing to my new family. And so, you know, it's hard, and I, and I understand that. So even if you ask my family, as the pastor of your church, they, they might say he gets it sometimes, but some of the times he doesn't. I, I'll tell you that. I'm well aware of, my, of, of, of where I fall short. And so I have to wrestle with the fact that I know what the scriptures teach about Jesus, that he is the one who forgives, who gives grace, the Jesus who is always there. And so I have to face the question, when am I not like Jesus? Who do you say Jesus is by the way you live and interact with other people? People. Now, parents, you might be thinking to yourself this week when your son or daughter does something that you don't approve of, you might say, who are you saying Jesus is when you do that? That's not the right way. 
I like the story. You just emptied your bucket, Luke. <laughs> I love that. But this all ties in together. For children, it works. You just emptied your bucket means you just, you're treating people badly or you didn't do this and you should have. And it leads to the prison ministry that our friends are doing is, who do they say Jesus is? Is They're willing to go to some pretty uncomfortable places just so that they could tell people that Jesus is who? The Messiah, the Christ, the one who is renewing all things. When Jesus was resurrected, it wasn't just a miracle. It wasn't just something that we would talk about for thousands of years. When Jesus was resurrected and given life after he was dead, first of all, that's impossible, which leads us to understand that the way God is going to function in the world from that point forward is a new way. Jesus is called the first fruits of the resurrection. There was an old belief that's, that, that still some people believe now, but it was an old Jewish belief that one day there would be the great resurrection where everybody who died and was believing in God would be resurrected and we would rejoice. Jesus is the first fruit of that resurrection, which means that if God does it for one, he is coming to do it again. In the process, God is renewing you day by day. There is, a, there is a scripture that says, I, I just totally lost my train of thought. There is a scripture that says that the God, Paul says that the God who began a good work in you will work with it until completion, or he will bring it to completion. We read that verse as though he's talking about me, but what the Bible is saying and what Paul is saying is that he is making a good work in all of us together. It's not just about me. You see, we, we live at a time when we want to make everything we read in the Bible, every time that there's a you, Y-O-U in the Bible, we think that God is talking about us. The reality is, is that a lot of the time that you is actually plural for all of those who believe. God is doing a good work among this church and he will do it until it's complete. We are one body. Who do we say Jesus is. And so verse 16, Peter says, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was revealed to you not by man, but by the Father in heaven. And so the question that we then ask, or I would be inclined to ask is, are you listening for the voice of God? There is so much noise in our lives. There are so many things that are competing for our attention. Are you listening to the voice of God? I'm not asking you, are you reading your Bible? Anybody can read the Bible and not listen, right? How many of you have had a conversation with your wife or husband, and they are hearing you, but they don't listen? Has that ever happened? Yes, I hear every word you're saying, but you have to ask, are you listening to what I'm actually saying? I want to leave you with this, and, and I was compelled, I believe I, I was compelled by the Holy Spirit as we witnessed just the testimonies of our brothers and sisters that 
they are going through great lengths to tell people who Jesus is. And the question is, who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? What would the stranger answer that about you? How would your coworkers answer that about you? How would your children answer that about you? Who do you say Jesus is by the way you live? Let's pray. God, we are um, God, we are always uncomfortable when your scriptures test us and challenge our way of seeing the world and the way we think and the way we think even about ourselves. We, it's uncomfortable for us when it cuts us deeply. And what we need, Lord, is for you to fill the gaps where we have been inconsistent in the way we live our lives. We pray that as we show the world who you are as a body, that we would show the right picture of who you are and not the wrong picture. May you help us to be holy and blameless before you in the sense that we would live our lives faithfully always. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we, as we bring this to a close, I, have, I forgot to mention, one of the ways that we continue to try to build the body of Christ is we spend time together. And so tonight at 5.30, we're going to be getting together to close the Sabbath with a little worship, and then the men are going to beat the women in jeopardy tonight. So, <laughs> so please come at 5.30, and then we're going to have fun, and we're going to play. Sorry, ladies, no apologies. We're win-a-win.